Welcome to the New Wealth Wave podcast hosted by Dr. Joaquin Wallace. We're diving deep into the intricate layers of the seven-stage generational wealth model to offer invaluable insights on legacy building, wealth accumulation and preservation, and financial growth across generations. I'm Dr. Joaquin Wallace, and this is the New Wealth Wave podcast. Hey, future wealth builders, you're tuned in to the New Wealth Wave podcast, and I'm your host, Dr. Joaquin Wallace. Today, we embark on stage one of the generational wealth model, translating the complicated internal and external ecosystem. I invite you to visit drjwallace.com to download the generational wealth model to follow along. So grab a pen and paper, and together, we'll weave through the layers of Maslow's five hierarchy of needs and draw wisdom from a few theorists such as Pierre Bourdieu, Amartya Sen, Juliet Shore, and William Julius Wilson. Prepare to embark on a transformative voyage, understanding that generational wealth begins with generational knowledge. The generational wealth model I've created represents a transformative and all-encompassing path that starts with a thorough grasp of your internal and external ecosystem. In our first episode, I briefly introduced each stage, providing an overview to prepare you for a detailed exploration of each phase. This ensures that you, the end user, can delve into and refer to each stage individually, gaining a comprehensive understanding. The first stage, stage one, is particularly crucial as it forms the foundation for the remaining six stages. It's about immersing yourself in exploring your personal beliefs, values, and life experiences, and understanding how these aspects intertwine with your broader financial, social, and cultural context. This deep analysis is vital as it sheds light on how these diverse factors shape your financial choices and behaviors. In this first stage, we focus on unraveling the complexities of your internal financial landscape, the beliefs and attitudes towards money that you've cultivated or inherited over time. This includes your personal experiences with finances, your understanding of money management, and how your cultural and family background shape your relationship with financial edification. Also, we explore the external factors that affect your financial life. This incorporates the broader economic conditions, social norms towards wealth and money management in your community and society. By comprehensively analyzing these internal and external influences, the model equips you with an understanding of your financial ecosystem. This foundational stage, stage one, of understanding your internal and external ecosystem is not just about insight. It's about setting the stage for transformation. It empowers you to recognize the drivers behind your financial behaviors, paving the way for informed and strategic steps towards building and sustaining generational wealth. This holistic approach ensures that every subsequent wealth building journey is grounded in deep and personal understanding of your unique financial world. Now let's dissect the concepts of your internal and external ecosystems. This concept provides a comprehensive framework for understanding the multifaceted nature of personal finance. The internal ecosystem involves your personal financial beliefs, experiences, and attitudes. These beliefs, experiences, and attitudes are shaped by many factors, including family upbringing, personal experiences with money, education, and even emotional responses to financial situations. This internal landscape is where your financial values and habits are rooted, it also includes your approach to saving, spending, investing, and your overall relationship with money. For example, if you grew up in a household that prioritized saving and viewed debt negatively, these beliefs will likely form a core part of your financial psyche. On the other hand, 
The external ecosystem consists of societal and economic structures you are a part of and interact with and encompasses community norms and attitudes towards money varying significantly across cultures and neighborhoods. For instance, societal attitudes towards credit, investing, savings, or even retirement planning can significantly influence how you engage with these aspects of finance. Therefore, comprehending the relationship between your internal and external ecosystem is crucial for advancing towards financial healing and altering your financial genetic code, an essential aspect of Stage 3 in our framework. Your internal ecosystem significantly influences your financial choices and behaviors, yet Distinguishing between needs and wants is essential to avoid falling into the trap of competing with others while making astute financial choices that resonate with your unique goals and aspirations. Balancing the enjoyment of life and seizing opportunities with a strong sense of what's truly important is critical. Understanding these external factors is imperative for making well-informed and pragmatic financial decisions. Furthermore, the interaction between your internal and external ecosystems may reveal aspects of your financial decision-making that need refinement, thus reimagining financial literacy through education and purpose. We delve deeper into this subject in Stage 4, Financial Edification, emphasizing financial literacy and inclusion. Understanding and continually reassessing the dynamics between your internal and external ecosystem allows you to develop a more adaptive and resilient approach to personal finance. This involves being true to your financial values, goals, and staying informed and flexible in the face of external, economic, and societal changes. Balancing these ecosystems is critical to achieving holistic and sustainable financial well-being, which is stage five allowing you to navigate the complexities of personal finance with greater confidence and effectiveness. Now, let's talk about your first financial educators, your parents and guardians. Your initial financial lessons, which significantly impacted your financial perspective, typically stem from your parents or guardians. These individuals serve as your first financial fiduciaries, a term that merits unpacking. Traditionally, a fiduciary is entrusted with managing assets or interests on behalf of another person, acting in good faith and with a sense of loyalty and responsibility. Our parents and guardians acted as a de facto financial fiduciary in family and personal finances. They were responsible for making financial decisions that affected not only their financial well-being, but also their children. This includes everyday decisions about budgeting, spending, long-term planning for education, housing, and savings. The financial education imparted by those responsible for our welfare, thus your initial financial fiduciaries, shaped our mindset towards money. It forms the foundational beliefs about saving, spending, investing, and the value of money itself. For many, this education is a mixture of explicit lessons, such as budgeting or savings, and implicit learnings gleaned from observing parents' financial behaviors and attitudes. Sometimes, the financial advice imparted by parents may not coincide with optimal financial practices. Their teachings could be influenced by past experiences or apprehensions, such as enduring financial difficulties or ingrained habits leading to a repetitive cycle, which I refer to as rinse and repeat. This might manifest as excessively cautious financial attitudes or decisions requiring sound reasoning. Consequently, if our parents possessed limited financial literacy, 
it can lead to inadequate financial management guidance, rendering individuals ill-equipped to make informed financial decisions in our adult lives. This issue often forms a persistent cycle preserved across generations for decades. Now, on the flip side, if your parents received a solid financial education in their youth and applied those principles throughout their lives, this can significantly benefit your decision-making process from an early age. Their financial knowledge and wisdom could provide you with ample opportunities and a clear comprehension of your disposable and discretionary spending. It also highlights the value of a robust understanding and relationship with finances as you journey through adulthood. The challenge, therefore, lies in differentiating the valuable lessons from these potentially limiting beliefs. This requires a critical evaluation of inherited financial ideologies and practices. It involves questioning whether these teachings hold up in current financial landscapes and align with your financial goals. Now, I mentioned your financial goals, as your goals may not align with those who are responsible for your financial well-being. Supplementing your inherited financial knowledge with formal education and current financial information is critical. This helps in bridging gaps in understanding and adapting to modern financial practices. It's about building a personalized financial belief system that is informed by past wisdoms, but is standardized by present-day realities and future aspirations. Through this process, you can retain the wisdom imparted by your first financial fiduciaries while shedding limited practices, thus paving the way for a more informed and practical approach to your financial life. Now, let's talk about how innate culture can affect your financial decision-making. Now, consider this. The impact of innate culture on your financial decision-making is critical. I refer to this as walls in. The culture you're born into deeply ingrains certain attitudes and beliefs about money, risk, and investments, often subconsciously guiding your financial behaviors. This cultural background is a tapestry merged with family values, societal norms, and the economic ecosystem of your upbringing. Reflect on how your family approached the topic of money. Was there an open dialogue about financial issues, or were they under wraps? Did your family culture lean more towards thriftiness? and saving? Or was there a focus on spending and living in the moment? These initial encounters with money heavily influence your foundational understanding and mold your perspective on earning, saving, investing, and spending. Now, I'd like you to take a moment here, grab a pen, and jot down your memories of any discussions about finances in your household. Additionally, Recall specific phrases or sayings about money that your parents often used during your upbringing. <laughs> I'll give you one. Money doesn't grow on trees. Or my favorite, I'm so broke, I can't pay attention. Consider this fundamental question. Do you find yourself repeating these phrases? Once you've noted these reflections and considered the question, you'll be ready to progress. <laughs> so let me let you in on a secret. <laughs> I used these several times while I was growing up and with my children as well. So it does happen. Now, your innate culture also influences your perception of risk. Some cultures take a cautious approach towards investments, favoring stability over potentially high returns, while others encourage risk-taking to achieve financial success. Understanding these cultural influences is crucial in unraveling why you might lean towards certain financial decisions over others. 
Understanding the entrenched cultural influences that mold your views on money is an essential first step in confronting and reshaping constrictive money scripts. This term, introduced by financial psychologist Dr. Brad Klontz, describes ingrained beliefs about money that are developed in childhood and continue to influence financial behavior in adulthood. I previously described this as walls in. These beliefs often unconsciously passed down through generations profoundly impact our approach to managing, spending, saving, and investing money. These money scripts can hinder our enhanced or financial well-being and typically fall into categories like money avoidance, worship, status, and vigilance. Delving into and revising these deep-seated money scripts is crucial in cultivating healthier financial habits and attitudes. Now, in stage three of the model, we talk about financial healing and reprogramming your financial genetic code. We focus on unraveling these ingrained beliefs to assess their relevance and impact on your financial life. This reflective exercise helps you preserve the positive elements of your cultural and financial upbringing while actively moving away from harmful habits. Doing so makes you better positioned to make financial choices that align with your objectives and dreams instead of being subconsciously influenced by past experiences. This proactive awareness and modification are critical in creating a new financial path tailored to your needs and future goals. Now, the obvious question is, yes, even someone with a favorable internal and external ecosystem can experience a distorted or limited reality regarding their relationship with money like being held hostage by its influence and presence. This phenomenon is often explored in the context of consumer psychology and behavioral economics, where various theorists have provided insights. Now, one relevant theorist in this context is Robert Chaldini, known for his work on persuasive and influence. Chaldini principles of persuasion, such as social proof and commitment, can help explain how even those with a healthy financial background might still feel pressured or constrained by societal norms and expectations around money. Another key figure is Dan Ariely, a prominent behavioral economics. Ariely's research on irrational behavior and decision-making underlines how even individuals with a solid financial foundation can make seemingly irrational financial choices due to cognitive biases and emotional influences. And now also, Richard Toller, another influential behavioral economist and Nobel Prize winner, also provides valuable insights. Toller's concepts of mental accounting and nudge theory illustrate how individuals compartmentalize and prioritize money in ways that might not always be logical or optimal, influenced by psychological factors rather than pure financial reasoning. These theorists suggest that regardless of a positive financial upbringing, individuals can still develop a complicated relationship with money. This could be due to various factors such as societal pressures, psychological biases, or the pervasive influence of consumer culture Understanding these influences is crucial in developing a more holistic and rational approach to personal finance. Now, remember, we're stage one, and stage one talks about the internal and external ecosystem. Now, let's talk about breaking the cycle of learned helplessness. This state embodies a profound sense of helplessness and a surrender to the beliefs that one cannot alter one's financial future, an outlook often deeply ingrained by past experiences. However, to understand this concept better, it's essential to define what learned helplessness entails and how it connects to your internal 
and external ecosystems. Typically, this condition is seen in individuals who have repeatedly faced financial disappointments or were raised in financial unstable environments. Such backgrounds can lead to a firmly rooted belief that positive financial results are either unachievable or solely dependent on luck, regardless of the efforts or strategies used. A more scientific analogy for learned helplessness in finance would be comparing it to a lab experiment where a subject is placed in a controlled environment and repeatedly exposed to an adverse situation without the ability to escape or change the outcome. Over time, this subject learns to accept the situation as inevitable, believing that their actions do not impact the outcome. In finance, this is an individual who consistently faces financial challenges or failures and over time becomes convinced that they have no control over their financial situation, leading to a passive and resigned attitude towards financial decision-making and planning. This mindset manifests in various detrimental ways. For example, individuals may shy away from financial opportunities, viewing them as inherently risky or doomed to fail. They might also exhibit a passive approach to money management, such as avoiding budgeting or financial planning, stemming from believing that their actions have little impact on their financial well-being. In extreme cases, this can lead to a neglect of financial health, like ignoring debts or failing to save for the future. However, learned helplessness in finance is more than avoiding financial engagement. It also involves a psychological aspect where individuals lack control or autonomy over financial situations. This could lead to resignation and apathy, where financial decisions should be made in a timely manner. The consequences of learned helplessness are far-reaching. It can hinder financial growth, perpetuate poverty cycles, and exacerbate feelings of anxiety and inadequacy, which is stage two of our generational wealth model. We'll get to that later on. In addition, it can prevent individuals from learning from past mistakes or adapting to new financial information and opportunities. Breaking free from this cycle requires recognizing these patterns and understanding their origins. It's about challenging the belief that the past dictates the future and realizing that financial control can be regained with knowledge, support, and proactive strategies. This process involves both unlearning harmful benefits and engaging in positive financial behaviors. <laughs> Again, stage three, reprogramming your financial genetic code. That's the financial healing we spoke about. In essence, it's about building financial literacy, <laughs> which is stage four, financial edification. We talked about literacy and inclusion. It's about seeking advice, setting achievable goals, and gradually taking steps to participate actively in your financial future. Now, as we get to the conclusion, you know I always have to go back to Maslow's five hierarchy of needs. It's so important to understand how Maslow's five hierarchy of needs is related to both your internal and external ecosystem. So Maslow's hierarchy of needs provides an insight framework for understanding how various human needs influence financial behaviors and decisions. That's kind of the definition of it all. This psychological theory suggests that human actions are motivated by fulfilling needs ranging from the most basic to the complex psychological desires. Each tier of Maslow's five hierarchy of needs can be seen as a driving force behind different financial behaviors. The hierarchy begins with the basic physiological necessities. Food, water, shelter. You gotta have those. When those essential needs go unfulfilled, 
financial choices become predominantly survival-oriented, a cycle that I term as CDC, choice, decision, and consequences. In those circumstances, those individuals may say, listen, I'm not in a position of saving or investing. I'm focusing instead on meeting my immediate needs. Under these circumstances, a financial strategy is typically characterized by its short-term, responsive nature. In essence, just throw that out the window. As we ascend up the hierarchy, the next level is safety. Encompassing personal and financial security, health, and well-being. When focusing on these needs, individuals might make conservative financial choices. This could manifest in saving for emergencies, investing in health insurance, or seeking stable, secure employment. The aim here is to mitigate risk and ensure a stable financial foundation. As we move to social needs, financial decisions influenced by this stage often reflects a desire for social acceptance and status. This might involve spending on social events. Here, financial behavior intertwines with social identity and peer influence. And this is where you have to understand the difference between needs and wants. When you get to the social self-esteem and self-actualization, your focus is more driven towards wants versus needs. But that's okay. You have to enjoy life, but you have to understand the difference between needs and wants. It goes back to what I said earlier, CDC, choice, decision, consequences, all come into play within this section of Maslow's five hierarchy of needs. The fourth level is self-esteem needs, which involves achieving recognition and respect. Financial behaviors driven by those needs can vary. Some may pursue high-risk investments or entrepreneur ventures to gain financial success and esteem. In contrast, others might be conscious, focusing on solidifying their financial standings and avoiding anything that can lead to a loss of status or respect. Finally, at the pinnacle of the hierarchy, we have self-actualization, the top of the food chain, the desire to achieve one's full potential. In financial terms, this stage is about more than just wealth accumulation. It's about using financial resources to fulfill personal aspirations and values. This might involve investing in personal development, supporting causes one is passionate about, or allocating resources towards life experiences that provide a sense of fulfillment and purpose. Understanding where you are on Maslow's five hierarchy of needs is so important. And so what we're going to do, you know, I am an instructor. I want you to go through the five hierarchy of needs, each one individually. And I want you to jot down your innate needs, your physiological needs, the foundational needs. Look at safety, social, self-esteem and self-actualization. Rank those on how important those are to you. And then right on the side, I want you to write down items that fulfill each of those needs. And then you will have a true understanding, a roadmap for your success in your financial journey. And now finally, the impact of theorists on financial understanding. I'm a true proponent of using theory and practical experiences when I created the generational wealth model. Now, earlier I touched upon theorists such as Pierre Bourdieu, Amartya Sen, Julia Shore, and William Julius Wilson. I mentioned them along with Abraham Maslow. Their contributions to my model offer invaluable framework for dissecting the intricate relationship between societal influences and personal financial management. So we'll touch briefly on each one of the theorists. So Pierre Bourdieu, concept of cultural capital is essential in understanding how one's social and cultural background 
often influence access to financial knowledge. Cultural capital refers to the non-financial social assets, education, intellect, style of speech, dress, or physical appearance that, that kind of touches on Maslow as well. That promotes social mobility. Bardu argued that these assets often inherited or acquired through family and social networks can significantly affect one's understanding and navigation through their financial world. This means that individuals from backgrounds with rich cultural capital are often better positioned to access, interpret, and utilize financial information, giving them an advantage in wealth accumulation and management, which is true and we know that, in particular in marginalized communities. Amartya Sen capability approaches add a, just another layer to this discussion. Sen emphasizes the role of individual freedom and opportunities in achieving personal well-being. In finance, this approach underscores the importance of having the freedom to make financial choices and the necessary opportunities to act on these choices. It suggests that true financial well-being comes from not just from having resources, but having the capability to use those resources in ways that contribute to one's life goals. Now, this is important because stage five, financial well-being. And my argument is not everyone has the same financial well-being, which is true. Two people can have two different ideas of financial well-being. Now, Juliet Shore's work provides insight into consumer culture and its impact on spending habits. Shore explores how societal pressures and consumer values can drive individuals towards excessive spending and overconsumption. That basically is keeping up with the Joneses. Her research highlights the importance of understanding the societal and psychological factors that influence our spending behaviors, often leading to financial strain and hindering wealth accumulation. That's stage three, four, and five as well in the model. But if you go back to Maslow's, that's your social, self-esteem, and self-actualization. They're all intertwined into one. And lastly, William Julius Wilson's research on structural inequalities offers a crucial understanding of how larger societal structures with economic conditions impact financial opportunities. Wilson's work suggests that race, class, and geographic location can create barriers to financial success. These structural inequalities often result in desperate access to financial education, resources, and opportunities, influencing an individual's ability to build and sustain wealth. Finally, understanding and incorporating these complex relationships is essential for developing more equitable and effective financial strategies and policies. By implementing this holistic approach, ensures that we consider all aspects of an individual's life and background. That is why reimagining financial literacy through education and purpose is crucial. For that matter, generational wealth begins with generational knowledge. As we wrap up today's episode, remember that understanding your financial ecosystem is essential in building generational wealth. It's a journey of self-discovery, learning, and breaking free from limited patterns. So, future wealth builders, are you ready to catch the wave with me? Let's equip ourselves, enrich our understandings, and let the ways of knowledge cascade down to generations to come. And together, let's turn knowledge into lasting legacies. Until next time, this is Dr. Joaquin Wallace. Keep riding the wave towards your financial footprints. Thank you for joining us on the New Wealth Wave podcast, hosted by Dr. Joaquin Wallace. Our show is edited and produced by Ray Haycraft. 
To dive deeper into the world of financial wisdom and learn how to create your financial footprints, head to our website at www.drjwallace.com. For more updates and exclusive content, connect with us on social media by searching Dr. Joaquin Wallace. And if you have questions and comments, feel free to email us at the new wealth way podcast at gmail.com. Remember, generational wealth begins with generational knowledge. And as always, thanks for listening. The content presented in this podcast is strictly for educational purposes and should not be taken as investment advice. The views and opinions expressed by our guests may not necessarily reflect those of the New Wealth Way podcast and its host or producers. Listeners are urged to exercise discretion and judgment before making any financial or investment decisions. Always consult with a financial professional or advisor before taking any action based on the content of this podcast. If you're enjoying the New Wealth Way podcast, we appreciate if you leave us a review. We're always open to topic suggestions and guest recommendations. Feel free to reach out to us directly with your thoughts and feedback. Thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next time on the New Wealth Way podcast.